0: My name is Maddie Diaz. I am currently in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm a singer, songwriter, music player.
1: Living I have tried.
2: Um, Your new record, History of a Feeling, man, very moving, very uh, searing. Thank you. It's a a tough listen, I think, for folks who've gone through breakups, who've gone through um, upheavals in their relationships that go beyond love affairs ending in a uh, standard way, right? This is a very uh, specific love affair and a very specific ending what I love about this record is just how specific and unadorned it is.
1: Hmm.
2: No one wants to tell us what it really feels like (laughs) or how angry we are in the moment. We just want to say, hey, you know, it's going to get better. Time is the great healer. And sometimes time is also like a scab that keeps ripping off. Yeah.
1: Making mistakes it's not a face, I'm gonna raid.
2: Well, hello again, folks. This is Zach Lupatin, your sonic bus driver down Heartbreak Highway. And this week, the soundtrack, as you've been hearing, is Maddie Diaz and I just got back from a little restful trip to Maui. I swam under some waterfalls. I got stung by a sea urchin. I rented a blue convertible because I don't know when I'm going to have a vacation like this ever again. So, listening to Matty Diaz this week, it reminded me of another earlier heartbreak soundtrack, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. For some reason... Me and my wife were in the mood to listen to it top to bottom. We had no service driving the road to Hana, and I saw this connection between Maddie's songs and Alanis's earlier work. Now, they don't sing alike, they're not from the same place, but there's this search for a heartbroken catharsis that threads throughout both works. And if you listen to her newest record, History of a Feeling, I think you're going to agree that this is a classic, and it just came out last week. Now, you may say, Zach, you have a music podcast. All you do is say how awesome the music of every person who's on your show is. Maybe, but I've listened to a lot of folky, breakup, angsty albums in my day. It's kind of my jam. And yet, when I got to the end of this record, I was laying on my rug staring at the ceiling, my dog snoring behind me, and I actually gasped. It was like I had just come through a gauntlet, and I had survived. And if anyone has gone through a deeply toxic, damaging, destructive relationship, you need to hear this record now. You could go to therapy, you could talk to your mom, but I suggest listening to A History of a Feeling instead. Anyway. I hope everyone's staying safe and creative. And you know what? I hope everyone's staying mentally healthy, too. Maybe take a little vacation, even if it's just in your mind. I want to say a quick thanks to the loyal listeners who have been coming back for three years listening to the show, including Petty100s who left a wonderful review on our iTunes page. Please do the same. It helps people find the show. Okay, that's it for me. Here she is now, my new favorite songstress, live from Nashville, Mighty Diaz
1: oh, stir it back up Now that the war is over How can you still make love You're pushing it
2: And this record is what, about three years in the making?
0: Yeah, um, I started it in the fall of 2017.
2: What do you want people to feel when they get to the last track of History of a Feeling?
0: Um, That there's something on the other side. I don't know, I feel like, you know, I hope that there is some sort of like catharsis resolve I I did my best, you know, to kind of, you know, when when you go through something like that, it is it's a grieving process, you know, Um, you know, you go through heartbreak, but but still there's so much that's always going to feel unresolved, you know, um, when a second party is involved and then not involved. Um, So, you know, I think there are a lot of conversations that I had to have by myself and a lot of like conclusions that I had to come to by myself and, you know, severing of a connection that I had to do you say time heals and you just say it as many times as it takes until you just get to the place where you're not where you were before
2: (laughs) right well it's almost like the just the list of songs feels like a stages of grief rollout totally you know like you have the opening track which is only a minute and a half or so, but it's this punch in the gut of rage, right? <laughs>
1: and
2: then you have, you know, uh, you're crying in public and then you're full of resentment and then you're starting to like process it.
1: Right. And we're processing
2: <laughs> it with you yeah, in real time. And I sort of laid on my rug last night <laughs> and I was so like in it that my wife was like talking to me above and I like wasn't registering anything she was saying. And I was just like dropped back into a previous relationship that I was in that was very toxic that ended Mm -hmm. with so many layers of bottom. Yeah. That the bottom kept getting revealed underneath the bottom. Isn't
0: that the worst part? Is that you think that you've reached the bottom and you look at your person and you're like, this has gotta be the bottom, right? And they're going like, yeah, and then they and then the fucking bottom drops out again. And then you're, you know, <laughs> another 20 feet from where you were on the bottom. <laughs> Sorry, continue.
2: <laughs> and that rage, like you say, in that opening track, it's always behind like your heart in a way like and you, you want to forgive this person. You want to forgive yourself. And the rage often is at yourself.
0: 100 percent, you know, absolutely. Well, and I think the thing is, is that like you know, for all intents and purposes, um, I, I have forgiven and I do forgive. And the problem is, is that, you know, the majority of this record, you know, was me grieving, um, you know, having lost so many parts of myself and having to like search for them, you know, for parts of myself that used to be within, just within reach, you know, and just these like easy, effortless ways that I, you know, had been that I just, I kind of needed to really dig at and search for again. Um,
2: we well, have that line that you want the rage to erase everything, right? <laughs> it's almost like a boxer with a glove, just wanting to bludgeon this, force out of their life you know just erase it but that's not how it works right and then months years later you have a song like resentment right (laughs) it's like the aftermath of the rage
0: yes (laughs) you
2: know you actually wrote that song a few years ago and then Kesha recorded it right
0: that's right yeah um I wrote I wrote resentment with my friend um Stephen Rabel and Rabel and Kesha are super tight and you know, I feel like we all kind of, you know, like songwriting people will kind of like, you know, get real psyched on a song or an idea, and we'll kind of like trade it with our friends every once in a while, or you know, like I'll ask somebody to send me something that I'm obsessed with that they showed me because it just, you know, is mind blowing. But he he showed Kesha resentment, and she was just like, "Man, I gotta, I want that."
2: <laughs> well, she's gone through her own crazy music industry nightmare dude
0: you know? I, exactly well and that's that's like kind of the beauty of all of it it's like you know you think that you're going through these like super isolating you know profoundly profound island moments and it's really just kind of one greater story thing that we've that we've all kind of like shared we've all kind of shared you know pretty intense heart, heartache like that you know
1: it's a shame knowing we could be good. And you could treat me better if you really wanted to. And if you can't do it for my sake, then do it for our sake. I don't hate you, babe. It's worse than that. Because you hurt me. I don't react. I've been.
2: Grew up in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yep. Pennsylvania. Not to be confused with Lancaster, California. It's so true. <laughs> I've been corrected many times since I have a lot of family from Pennsylvania. But
0: Really? You're kidding. Yeah, Lancaster.
2: <laughs> Lancaster.
0: <laughs>
2: Did you hang out with any Amish people?
0: That's You know, I feel like I get that question a fair bit also because I was raised Quaker, which people confuse with Mennonites and Amish and the Quaker Oats person and um and I we used to live down the street from a bunch of Amish families and sometimes we would take them to shoe our horses. Um but I was never really invited to any parties because I'm um, I'm an
2: outsider. So <laughs> you know your dad is also a musician, right? And True. so mm-hmm. you were surrounded by music. Um but you had I think an interesting cultural upbringing, I feel like, you know, with your mom and dad being from very different places.
1: For sure, um, yeah.
2: Um, do you feel like being around your dad, even being in like a Zappa cover band, it was giving you permission to be in music?
0: 100%. I mean, and to clarify, my my parents are, you know, my mom is Peruvian and my dad is Danish, but they're not, they were both born in New York. Um, so they kind of spoke the same abrasive, aggressive, you know, like pretty sharp, quick, you know, like
1: yeah.
0: I fucking love you, dude, kind of, you know, yeah. language. Um, so I feel like, you know, in that, in that sense, I feel like they crossed over um, for a good while. And, but absolutely, yeah, the Zappa thing, definitely. I mean, I also um, was myself in like a high school Zappa, you know, cover ensemble of sorts. And I cannot listen to that music anymore without just kind of like, I mean, I know every word and every lick by heart. Like I can just, you know what I mean? And it just is right there. It's like part of the, it's like like the ABCs.
2: I think if my dad is listening to this right now, he's gonna be very jealous since of all the music that he tried to get me into, Frank Zappa's like the one line that I would not cross. I was like, I just can't, I can't do this, man. Maybe maybe talking heads, I know you're into that. Yeah, Zappa thing he's like dude you're gonna love this and I'm like I don't understand what he's doing why I
0: get it I get it it's a very like it's a very niche it's like it's like black licorice or something you know what I mean like you just like yeah love it or you hate it
2: (laughs) when did you start writing songs on your own
0: I started writing songs like a little bit here and there. You know, I think I probably wrote like a handful of songs when I was like 14, 15, and then kind of just played a lot of cover songs and like almost kind of like learned through other people's songwriting and like by learning other people's songs and singing them, kind of like trained me in a way, I guess. Um, And then I started writing for myself again when I was like 19.
2: Well, that first record you put out, Plastic Moon definitely is more in the pop lane I would say you know um that you can see some of the simmering darkness (laughs) bubbling (laughs) underneath that like you were like waiting to unleash on an an unsuspecting public (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) (laughs) but I was listening to that song let's go you know very feminine but like strong
0: thank you
2: (laughs) kind of almost like Maybe Carly Ray Jepsen, you know, like put it on the radio, like roll the windows down on a summer day, you know. A bit by a bit. <laughs> Where were you like what was your headspace when you put out that first record versus now?
0: I mean, God, I was just 23, you know like I was
2: Did you want to a- be a pop star? like was that in your purview?
0: I don't think that was ever really like my intention. Like I just wanted to play. You know what I mean? I just wanted to like put out a record so I could go on tour so I could like be in them in a band and I could like be in the band and like sing for people. You know what I mean? Like and I and I had had gone through some stuff, you know, like as like a how old was I? Was 2012. I don't even know. What is what is math? I think I was still trying to I was really excited to be surrounded by people and like do things with my peers. And, you know, I think that with the rawness of stuff that I had kind of already been through, I was anxious that like whatever that was, wasn't gonna be enough to kind of hold people's attention. Or I was like scared to do it by myself. You know what I mean? and um, scared to be honest about stuff that I had been through already at that point in my life. And so, you know, was writing stuff that was like a a lot more um, elusive (laughs) to like the um, undercurrent of stuff that was, you know, maybe going on with me then um, and wasn't really ready to like get real about stuff. So I was just writing fun, like, you know, jammers.
2: You dropped out of Berkeley right
0: I did I did do that yeah
2: like a true successful rebel
0: yeah that was easy that was like one of the I <laughs> was like one like of like all the...
2: successful people you know you're just a college dropout you know
0: I just well um, I have um, a couple friends that like would make fun of me for like my mom pulled me out of elementary school in second grade and then I like went to middle school for like a year and then like I was homeschooled for forever and I went Back for like my junior year of high school, but I didn't graduate high school because I was like, "This is weird and dumb," and like, I'll just like take a couple community college classes and like go wait tables at this pizza place, and and then I ended up at Berkeley, but I didn't graduate Berkeley. Either. So I don't know. It's always kind of been like a grab bag, but that's you know that's honestly like how my mom raised. Um, my mom was is you know an educator she teaches kindergarten and she kind of was just like a follow your heart you know like what what are you passionate about like let's learn about that mentality which just kind of worked out
2: right I think that people who go to who go through alternative schooling situations I guess I kind of fallen to that camp a bit as I went through the Waldorf school system
0: oh cool yeah Mm -hmm.
2: K through twelve. Me and my sister okay. were, like, Waldorf lifers, which is, like, rare, you know? That's incredible. And for me, it just was, like, what we did. It was not, like, right. a crazy thing. It was, like, that was my school. Right. It wasn't weird that my high school graduating class had 22 people in it. That was yeah. just, like, those were my friends, and we graduated, and that was it, you know? But in retrospect, yeah. that type of intimate, like, super hands-on, artistically creative education of course, helped give me permission to be creative as an adult. A lot of people just stop creating things from a very yeah. young age, right? Yeah. They're like, well, I have to go to work. I have, right. to have a family. That's it. Like I used to draw or I used to be in theater. I used to write songs, but that's what young people do in their frivolous youth. Right. right.
0: You know? When they're still trying to fuck up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> when they're college dropouts, you know? Yeah. Yep. but there's
0: something i don't think think that my mom still really thinks that i have like a real job which is like cute and funny and like kind of kind of cool considering like it's her fault that i am this way (laughs) (laughs) thanks mom thanks mom (laughs) i have a real job mom
2: (laughs) Kesha is a pop star and she did my song see (laughs) see I She's think like, the
0: impression yeah. pop star and what are you though? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't
0: know actually.
2: <laughs> well, I think this new record maybe shows that not saying that you weren't meant for that type of glossy pop stardom, but I think there's a darker, more intense voice behind your songs that I really am glad that you're embracing that you're putting front and center you know and some of these songs are very spare i mean they're they there's not a lot of adornment like i said earlier you know it's very almost diaristic i went through this really intense thing i have a a partner that transitioned which again is way different than most people's relationships and this is the specific pain that i was feeling but the specificity actually makes it more universal in a way, like we can sure. all understand that very sharp confusion and pain.
0: Sure. Well, and you know, like the, the transition that my partner went through um, didn't happen until after the fact, you know, so it was really something that I was learning on the other side, you know, this thing that happened, you know, it it happened when I wasn't really there um and it was just kind of looking at the relationship and all that leads up to a breakup you know what i mean like there are a million things and a million ways for things to kind of like be explosive and kind of <laughs> unravel and yeah i don't know it for you know as unique yeah you're right as it is it definitely i i've been um lucky to find that it has been profoundly universal
2: well song like You know, man in me, there's lines that are just hard to hear, right? You know, I'm not proud of kicking in your bathroom door screaming at you that I don't know you anymore. But I think a lot of people have been in that moment where everything is turning upside down in a relationship where this person that is your entire world... Is disappearing in front of you, right. and yeah, you don't it's know why.
0: Moving out of your orbit, and you're just kind of like trying to pull them back, and there's just no, there's just no way. You're kind of you've already. It's like you know magnets. <laughs> you've kind of just already decided to kind of like switch the polarity, and you're just gone, you know.
2: <laughs> but when you say a line like when I started saying it out loud, and I couldn't take it back, do you feel like when you hear that song, when you have to now sing that song in public? is it painful to re-experience each time or is it cathartic?
0: Sometimes it is. I mean, I think it changes from, from time to time. And that's like the thing about songs, you know? And I think like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there's a lot of time and space, you know, between all of this stuff, it's kind of like some sort of weird, um, miracle of the universe that it's taken four years to get this record out you know because when I first got back to town I couldn't talk (laughs) it was really you know hard for me to not lead with what I was going through um, when I walked into any room you know and and you have to be really careful to not let one story define you you know like this thing that happened and this one relationship in my life isn't like a definitive thing but I learned a lot you know what was happening in, in me, you know, after, in the aftermath of the relationship in the early aftermath of the relationship. And then the rest of that is just kind of like, well, shit. Okay. It's just me. And like, how do I do this? You know? And like, creating those conversations that you have between two people, but the other person isn't there. So you're playing both parts (laughs) and you're talking about resentment and you're talking about forever. And you're just having these imaginary, you know, movie conversations in your bedroom and then with your friends and everybody's playing, you know, a part and trying to get into this, um, this, uh, Life and this universe and trying to create some sort of resolve and explanation, you
1: know. kissing the man me and the woman in you
2: if we keep going down the stages of Grief (laughs) of stages of processing. I feel like Think of Me is the like spiraling out of control song. Like it's almost like this obsessive late night, like doom scroll through your ex's feed. Doom
0: scroll. Yes.
2: and you have this, it's like a chant, you know, like, I want you to think of me, think of me, think oh, of yeah. me, think of me. Oh
0: yeah. So you're, like you're, I'm willing. Yes. I'm like willing. I'm trying to like ESP, like connect, like through the psychic airwaves with this person and just be like, you know, when I, it is, it's that, it's that thing of like, when I, can you feel me when I'm thinking of you? Can I feel you when you're thinking of me? And I hope you think of me. I hope you think of me all the time. I hope you're just like dying of. <laughs> I hope you fuck her
1: with your eyes closed and think of me. I hope you love her with the lights low light. and think of me.
2: Well, there's that, uh, I think, a premium like thing you can pay for it on tinder now i've been told oh no (laughs) where you can see who is like looking at you and how long they no are checking you out for something (laughs) just a little bit extra
1: (laughs)
0: why why does that exist it's like do you remember when um on instagram it used to tell you like when the person was last online yeah yeah why was that? That used to like completely like my world would crumble. And then I'd have to delete the thing for like a week because I was just like, this is clearly I'm clearly insane. Like I need to just this needs to stop. Why does that make me crazy?
2: <laughs> or it's like your text was seen, but they never responded. They saw right. it. Right. But they never responded. <laughs>
0: you're not supposed to know these things. Like when you walk out the door and you just go into the world, you're you're just supposed to be gone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not supposed to have any sort of like tether with these people but you just like now we just do and it's awful and I'm constantly trying to figure out like different ways to be like to like put up some sort of like where's my shields
2: (laughs) we're basically the same age in our mid-30s and I think we're the last generation that grew up without the internet constantly obliterating our senses you know Mm -hmm. into teenage years when it started to have the you know t9
0: though like the flip phone, you know what I mean? Like, let's just go back. I mean, I, I, I love losing my phone. It's my favorite thing on the planet. I used to do it like for days, days at a time. And now like, it's like the second that you lose the iPhone, you're like on the way to the Apple store. <laughs> you're just like, I got to figure it out now.
2: <laughs> yeah, your manager's like, don't ever lose your phone ever again. <laughs> How dare you?
0: Like grafting it to my face.
2: I had one of those pagers that had like a ticker thing that my mom could like call up and like they would type a message across. It would like read it.
0: I love that.
2: And then I, I would to- call. I would call from the payphone at the <sighs> L in Chicago, like on the train. I'd be like, "Okay, I'll pick up those groceries. See that's, you soon."
0: That's really cute. I used to not understand when I, because my dad had a beeper, I used to not understand how beepers would work. And so I would do that. I would like call his beeper and then I would try and sell things on the phone. And then he would just know that it was me and he'd call back and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Stop paging me. What do you want?
2: <laughs> do you remember what your first AOL screen name was?
0: Um, my mom helped me make it. Then it was Namaste Baby 514.
2: You know, you were very ahead of the curve in yoga lingo (laughs) in Pennsylvania.
0: That's my mom. My mom was like, my mom was like so already like listening to the Pema Chodron stuff and like, you know, doing like the self-care and like doing the hippie yoga, listening to like kind of like, you know, poppy funk music. Like she's, she's ahead of all of us. (laughs) She just knows what's up
2: feel like your mom and my mom should hang out. Dude. (laughs) I always joke that my mom is so unhip that she's actually more hip than most people. Like she wears these fanny packs from like the 80s and like the, you know, from like resale shops. They're like falling apart and these like teenagers come up to her and they're like, where'd you get that? That's so rad. She's like, oh, I I bought this at TJ Maxx in like 1989. I don't know. We used to go to thrift stores and like resale shops and I was like kind of embarrassed by it. I was like, why are we getting weird used clothes?
0: Totally. Me too. We did. I did the same thing. She taught me all of that stuff. And like, yeah, I was the same way. I was like, God, I just really would love to like like buy a pair of shoes that like someone else hasn't worn before. (laughs) Yeah. Be cool. (laughs) But like. I don't know. And then that just becomes how is that like the, it's the cute, cool, dope thing and doing that on like people. Just, that's all right. Mom knows. Mom knows.
2: When did you feel like you wanted to be like a full time musician, songwriter? was there like a moment where you're like i have to do this right now
1: there
0: was never like a it just kind of happened like i went to college because i heard that was like the thing that you were supposed to do <laughs> after you got to high school even though i didn't really finish high school um and i think i just really loved writing songs and it just seemed to be working and so i th- like damn <laughs> can you believe? <laughs>
2: Was there a particularly bad live show where you started to question why you were really doing this? Because we all oh. have that one show that still sticks in our minds.
0: Are you kidding? Like one show or like an entire tour? ten shows? Yeah, man. Like the like there was there was this one tour that I went on with uh, this band that became Wild Cub, and we were touring across America. I think there were like it was like 12 dudes in a van and me and a trailer, Ooh. a 15-pass van, where like this the sliding door like didn't work either. So we like all had to climb out the passenger side doors in the front or the or the um door in the back <laughs> because we had like
2: it wired safe.
0: it. Set. It was yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, and we were just like going from show to show, and it would just be like 20 poor people in, like, Arizona. You know what I mean? These, like, poor, sweet souls that, like, would show up to these, like, crap venues, like, basement venues with, like, one ceiling fan with no AC, like, in the dead of summer. And we're just playing these shows, like, playing our hearts out. And I'm just like, God, for what? Like, we're not making any money, nothing. And we're, like staying at weird motels between like a waffle house and a strip club, like straight up. Like it was just weirdness. It was so, and like just driving across these like desolate landscapes, but it was also like, you know, in your early twenties and mid twenties, you're just like, your back doesn't hurt yet. And so you're kind of like, you are questioning things, but like the physical repercussions like haven't really hit you yet.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You got to do it then. You got to do it then. I think a lot of us after this pandemic, especially are realizing that, that type of grinding is really not going to be possible anymore. Or it's like not really worth it because it's like, a, it's not safe right now. Like, like physically, you know, right. like, like if we're going to go to a small group of clubs indoors in parts of the country that don't want to get vaccinated, it's like, I don't think we're going to do that right now. Like we're going to like right. not <laughs> right. do that, you know,
0: No, totally. Well, and like, I mean, you're just right. It's just like, I mean, I used to be gone for months at a time and would, you know, go from like van to van or van to bus or van to sprinter or sprinter to bus. You know what I mean? Like it just was kind of a constant, didn't really know when I was going to be home, this like this grind and like, yeah, you're completely right. I mean, besides the fact that that wasn't even really sustainable to the point where like i didn't really know whether i was gonna have a career or not you know a few years ago um besides that like it's just not physically like like for who for what (laughs) you know like this is life if we can't make this like if we can't make this somewhat pleasant like or come on
2: when did you start writing songs for other people and is that a different mindset a different songwriting hat than writing for yourself
0: um I think it is and it isn't I think you know when I'm writing for other people I I definitely like want to check in with them because I do think that like my language can sometimes be like different or like I'll say something that's more abrasive than, you know, like maybe a country artist would, you know, or like just kind of use more blunt, like a more blunt way of saying things. Um, but like, I think, you know, I, I really, when I write for other people, I really try and like, you know, just write something that I would die to saying, you know, um, because then too, you know, like when you finish the song and the artist hates you and hates it and never wants to talk to you again, just kidding um but you know you might you might happen upon a song that you might want to use anyway for yourself and that just kind of you know a good song is a good song you know um
2: is there a tune that you're particularly proud of that someone else recorded
0: i mean resentment's definitely definitely up there um i i like i couldn't be happier with with that particular I mean that's just so bizarre. I'm also like such a diehard Kesha fan. I've been a diehard Kesha fan for like over a decade. Like she was like, you know, my girlfriends and my party pump-up music for like ever. <laughs> so the fact that she wanted to sing like a sad bastard song of mine was just really very um confusing and what an honor. <laughs> you know what I
1: yeah. mean? I feel loved on and I feel used Nobody makes me feel the way you do And sometimes I, sometimes I, sometimes I just can't stand it Isn't that just the thing about us? I'm still thinking you could be the one But you're always, you're always, you're always taking me
2: I gotta do now. (whistles) Oh, there's our dog The, well, if you go back again to a song like ashes off of that phantom record very atmospheric very dark but like very pop forward um there's like a different persona i feel like in that record of this sort of again mysterious uh pop siren that you know would be on you know like an american idol in like a fog cloud you know <laughs> like it's just very moody, it's very like
1: Don't, don't you let me down fall, fall to the battleground
2: how did you feel like that record uh, came to be
0: It's funny, you know, like I I'm so grateful that like some people have like found that song and resonated with that song and strange to me I feel like you know um again I was you know in a at a point in my life where like I had experienced um a pretty intense breakup and you know this guy kind of just like completely disappeared like just actually you know like after two years just like literally disappeared it was the weirdest thing that or you know one of the weirder things that I had experienced Um, and like, I, I, I didn't like, I still wasn't ready to like, just directly talk about it. You know, I was like trying to like poetically talk myself through something, you know, as opposed to just like, kind of getting real with the fact that this guy kind of just like dipped. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Then I was really trying to like lullaby, like a Phoenix rising from the ashes situation. Um, which, you know, I think listening to a lot of Kate Bush at the time still do listen to a lot of Kate Bush Kate Bush is Kate Bush and I'm I'm not
2: <laughs> yeah but I think the sort of again that air of mystery and sort of big emotional uh output I think is super present on that record especially in that <laughs> song you know yeah when Kate Bush is talking about the end of a relationship it is like a Shakespearean, you know, journey that we're gonna go on, not it's just like true. a dude who stopped calling. You know, it's, it's like true. way bigger than that, you know.
0: It's like multiple acts and lifetimes. It's it's really true.
2: It has societal implications, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: it's true.
2: What was it like working with uh, Andrew Sarlo on this new record?
0: Sarlo is awesome. He's just—I don't know—he's—he's he's really just so fantastically good at what he does, and like, I don't know—it—it it really just felt like uh, he made it seem so obvious, you know? And—and and it was very cathartic that process because he was just like, yeah, I mean, we're just recording you being you exactly how you are with these songs and I was like oh right yeah yeah it is that easy you know it's it wasn't this kind of like you know creating you know a thing that sounds like this and I want like this element and like you sound like you're you can be roaring from that you're just like yeah we just put a microphone in front of your face because these songs are your songs and you're singing your story and I was like Word. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. I want it. That, that's good.
2: (laughs) How did a song like forever come to be?
0: Forever. Um, I actually started recording that song in like two hours South of, um, New Orleans by myself. Um, I have a friend that, um, engineers and produces at a studio, um, down there. And he was just like, man, I can just tell that like, you want to start you know, unraveling and just kind of getting your hands into these songs. And if you want to come hang out down there for like a couple of days, like, let's just see what we can do. And so I went down there. I had no idea where I was going. I didn't even look up the studio Um, and drove 10 hours in like a rental car with like my crap and got there. And it was just this like massive, like in this huge barn and this just like beautiful gear and like you know, I was so set up. I had like a really beautiful little, like, you know, bedroom situation that was like apart from the, it was just this complex. It was so bizarre and definitely 100% haunted, like without a doubt. Yeah. It's called, it's called Dockside Studios. Um,
2: Did you see any ghosts while you were recording?
0: I didn't see any ghosts while I was recording, but like literally I could not walk around that place alone at night. Like it was impossible. Like I couldn't even like, I hardly felt like I could get out of my chair to get up and cross the room after I was done, like putting a part down. You know what I mean? It was just this, and it was such a great, like, what a beautiful experience. And like he set up all these great mics and we just kind of started to attack it. So I, I was really happy with like my vocal sound and like my passes and, my guitars that I had gotten down there. So um, I took, I also recorded Man and Me top to bottom um, down there and you know played the pianos myself and the guitars into the vocals. And um, I was also really happy with that song. So those were the two songs that like, I basically started by myself that I then took to LA and then we finished those and, and then the record.
2: But that line in forever, in the moment you fooled me, right? I think that's like the hardest part about the end of a relationship for me is that we feel like we're, we feel like we've been tricked. Yeah. That like, this person said casually, you know, it's going to be forever. Yeah. And you're saying it like it's whatever, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> like yeah it's
2: like no big deal like me and you like this is never gonna end well
0: obvious it's obviously gonna and happen I forever it. oh yeah 100 well and it's like you know when when you just um i was at a point in my life where i hadn't really even considered uh buying into that kind of life yet you know what i mean and so it was really the first time that i was like considering so many things um and you know that's not to say that like we were gonna end up going well clearly we didn't so it doesn't even matter but you know it's just it's still when you're starting to like ask those bigger questions you're looking at this person like oh my god this this did you just use your last name on me that's crazy but you know also people say crazy shit when they're like really I guess like um well either in love or like highly toxically manipulative or who knows (laughs) I had a guy tell me once that he wanted to make a grandmother out of me, which was terrifying (laughs) and like maybe super romantic in his language.
2: (laughs) That's my wife's ongoing joke. She's like, Look, I want to have kids one day, but I just want to skip ahead to the grandmother stage. I feel like I'm a grandmother deep down. (sighs) Like, we go to that point.
0: Oh, I love that. She just wants to be like surrounded.
2: (laughs) Well, it's like, I want to have the kids, but it's not really the responsibility right on my shoulders right. it's right. really like i'm just sort of like the fun one who comes right. in temporarily
0: and you get to be adored and then you get to like have your like adoring like little and then you pass it off and it's good you get to, <laughs> you get to watch your shows
2: <laughs> after having your heart ripped out several times do you feel like one day you will have like a marriage settle down situation or are you more of a free spirit i
0: think um i think I've definitely learned that I do want to get married at some point. Um, I think I, I think I need that groundedness for myself. It's just cause kind of, and it's weird because I never, you know, like thought of myself as like a traditional person, but God, why am I like 35 and here? And this is, and it's like happening. Is it just like ingrained in all of us to just like eventually become whatever that thing is.
2: You know, know. Tinder has some new features, you know, you can, uh, Pay the premium price and see who's no. talking. About. Is this sponsored by Tinder? Is this podcast sponsored? I wish it was. Brought to you by no one.
0: <laughs> Brought to you by hopefully someone.
2: <laughs> I hear Bumble and Hinge are great, but I haven't tried them myself since I'm very God. married.
0: I honestly, I got, I got on Tinder one time I was still in LA and uh, I got on Tinder for all of like three days and it gave me such bad social anxiety. Like I would be walking down the street and I'd like see any human being. And I would just be, I'd like try and make myself like small or like I just like find something to look at or like you know I'd be like at the coffee place and just kind of like looking down and trying to like hide my face because I'm just like did somebody see anything ever has and my friend uh-huh. Nate was like why are you being so fucking weird and I was like dude I signed up for Tinder like two days I gotta delete it. I'm deleting it right now I can't do it anymore. And then I deleted it. That was it.
2: I think <laughs> I was on okay cupid for like yeah a month in like 2012. So scary. and uh the funny thing was that there was a a lady who I think recognized me from my band Dust Bowl Revival, and she's like, "Hey, yeah, I saw you at the Troubadour, like, cool." And I was like, "Hey, yeah, do you want to like get a drink sometime?" And then just like silence.
0: <laughs> I was I like, "Wait, I did I it wrong th- already."
2: <laughs> I was like, "You wait, you messaged me. How yeah. does this work?" Like I thought wait, is this an advantage that I'm in this band or like a disadvantage? I don't get it. So
0: crazy, man. It just doesn't, there are no, that's the thing. It's all so lawless. And that's, you know, like I kind of like, and in concern with the marriage thing too, like, you know, I'd try to remain like an open, if it happens, it happens. If I have kids, I have kids. I would love to have kids. That's like my, one of my goals is to just, I want to have kids. That's really the ultimate goal. It's even more ultimate than like the marriage. Situation, so mm-hmm. it's like you know. I'm trying. I try to like kind of free up how you know like locked in, but it's like we're the internet kids, you know. And it's like our parents may have gotten divorced, but they still got married. So
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> there's a part of me that's just like, well, that that happened. So
2: I can understand, you know, with certain friends that had parents who just, to be honest, like hated each other. There's parents who, you know were married and they stayed together for the kids and they just really were forced into this horrible situation for
0: decades. for sure.
2: And then those friends are like, I don't know if I want to embark on that journey. You know, whereas like my parents are, you know, they just celebrated their, what, 40th year together, which is insane.
0: Magic. Magic, well, and that's the thing. It's like, it just isn't for everybody. Anything can happen at any time.
2: And my parents had some real rough times, Ugh. but in my mind, it was like, yeah, but they like stuck it out, and you can too, right? Right, you can. It's like you learn basically what you see, you know? Yeah,
0: yep, it's true. Well, and you can, and you also like don't have to, and like you, I don't know. There's no should, you know? Well,
2: that title track, "History of a Feeling," feels like the part of the record where you're starting to have some acceptance you're starting to have some separation from you and this person as being forever in each other's orbit right right um and that time that separation is important it's like you you still see the person when you look in the mirror but they're not like everywhere right in that in the song we just talked about um think of me right It's like in that song They're everywhere They're on the train They're walking down the sidewalk Now it's sort of They're they're like a ghost shadow That may always be there Until they're not But it's starting to fade And that's like Sad in its own way But it's important
1: Yes I don't see you anymore But I see you in the mirror I only voice when i know that you're not here with me and i know love's not a lie but i have a hard time believing i'm still living in the history of a feeling
0: yeah and i think history of feeling too like i was really starting to like untangle some of those deeper um where did I learn this from? You know what I mean? Like, what is, what is the thing that I'm after? And like, how did the thing, how did this thing that I'm after like get ingrained in there? And then like, how did that desire like lead me to this instance? And like, what are my tendencies and like, well, you know, what am I, what was I looking for that I found that like, got me here and like what was I looking for back then that got me here and what were my parents looking for when that you know what I mean like there was this like kind of like retracing like falling backwards into kind of the um into the history of the feeling <laughs>
1: and I found new ways to count the days that you're not in. still get a tremor every time I face west Just when I think it's gone I feel it in my chest again It doesn't happen all the time and when it does it softly creeps in I
2: There you have it. Big thanks to Maddie Diaz for talking to me. You can go to maddiediaz.com diaz.com for her newest. It's called History of a Feeling on Anti Records. I think my favorite album that I've heard this year. But Zach, didn't you say that about an album last week? Maybe. My mind is blown on a weekly basis. That's why you have to subscribe to the show on the road. Brought to you by no one you can sponsor this show by donating to ZNLupitan at gmail.com on PayPal. You can be the sponsor. And thank you for the new people who have left us reviews on iTunes. It means a lot. If you are curious what my band Dust Bowl Revival is up to, we are back at it this weekend. September 3rd, we're playing in Ogden, Utah as part of the Ogden Music Festival. And then we'll be playing up in Northern California September 18th at the Mountain Soul Music Fest with Michael Franti. California Honey Drops, and more. And then the next day, a really special show at the Hot Monk, Nevado. Casey Turner presents an outdoor show as part of their cookout series. Please check it out, and we'll see you there. To the patient Angelinos hoping for a hometown show, well, Dust Bowl Revival will be playing outside as part of a tailgate jam presented by Tiny Porch Concerts. That's at Paramount Ranch in Agora Hills, October 9th. That's going to be awesome. And then December 4th, the main event, back at the Troubadour. The show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupinton, and we are part of the BGS Podcast Network. Stay safe, stay healthy, get vaccinated, and we'll see you out on the trail.
1: First thing in the morning, last thing at night. Is it gonna pass, will it last for a lifetime?